On Wednesday, August 30th, a Category 3 hurricane with 125 mile an hour winds and storm surge exceeding 10 feet slammed into the Big Bend region of Florida. It was the first major hurricane, Category 3 or higher, to make landfall in the region since the late 1800s. I was on the ground before, during, and after landfall in the impact area. This podcast is a collection of my thoughts and experiences, as well as numerous audio clips from storm survivors in the impact zone. Hey everyone, I'm Hurricane Hal, host of the GeoTrek podcast. GeoTrek explores the world to bring you in-depth stories not covered by the mainstream media that touch on the physical processes behind extreme weather and natural disasters, their impacts on society, and what we can do to get out ahead of these catastrophes to lessen their impact. Before we jump into this episode, I wanted to say we'd really appreciate it if you'd subscribe to this podcast. Your subscription helps us mark professional progress and helps us form partnerships and ensures many more episodes of the GeoTrek podcast in the future. But without further introduction, let's get into GeoTrek podcast number 78, Voices from Hurricane Idalia. I drove from Galveston, Texas to the Big Bend region of Florida, arriving around 21 hours before landfall. My girlfriend Alicia joined me. She has endured several hurricanes in Texas, but this was her first real hurricane chase. Our plan was to pass through the Big Bend region of Florida and drive down to near Clearwater on the edge of the Tampa-St. Pete metro area where we hoped to find a parking garage. I was not anticipating a landfall near Clearwater, but I did want to document the coastal flood impacts on the built environment and found several parking garages that would enable me to get up above the floodwater and video the storm impacts. En route to Clearwater, we saw a small sign for a town called Steenhatchee, which appeared to be around 10 miles off the main highway. We opted to take this detour, as Steenhatchee was very close to the coast along Appalachie Bay, an area I had never visited before. What we found was a quiet river town with a growing population of retirees and transplants looking for a simpler life in a rural setting. Signs around town quickly taught us of the importance of recreational scallop harvesting, boat slowly drifted up and down the Steenhatchee River, which was as smooth as glass, even as Hurricane Adelia approached from hundreds of miles to the south. Soon after we arrived in Steenhatchee, the models actually shifted farther west and forecast a major hurricane to make landfall very close to our location in Steenhatchee or slightly to the west. This was an ideal situation for a storm chaser obsessed with documenting storm surges and coastal flooding. However, Steenhatchee did not offer any parking garages or vertical structures to elevate a vehicle. This could be a problem as the National Hurricane Center forecasts 12 to 16 feet of storm surge in our region. However, the town did have some relief or changes in elevation, and Alicia felt fine with riding out a potential direct impact from a Cat 4 hurricane if we could get in a sturdy building. She reminded me that she's a mom to four boys, and we did need to take some precautions. This, uh, this parameter seemed reasonable to me, and the stars seemed to align when we found the Steenhatchee River Inn. Yes, I used the word river, which may sound risky in a 12- to 16-foot storm surge, but this was not South Louisiana. There was some relief, and the River Inn was actually located near the river but on high ground. So we cast the die and determined to ride out a potential direct hit from a Cat 4 hurricane in Steenhatchee, Florida. Small, fast-moving Hurricane Adelia ended up making landfall about 25 miles to our west. The biggest impact in our area was a fast-moving storm surge. When the storm surge struck, we watched the river race upstream, flowing backwards with great velocity. The river was filled with boats, docking, debris, trees, and even the metal framework of a marina got torn away right in front of us, started floating upstream, and nearly 
crashed into a home right in that part of the river. It was unbelievable to see this much power and the force of Mother Nature. In the end, nine feet of storm surge raced into Steenhatchee in just two hours. While the storm surge level was lower than forecast, it came in suddenly and threatened unprepared residents with a fast-moving flood that could sweep them away. As the floodwaters started to recede, I struck up a conversation with a local guy named Skipper who has seen 68 years of weather in Steenhatchee. He shared perspectives on Hurricane Adelia's flooding. I'm here in Steenhatchee, Florida. We're looking at the flooding from Hurricane Adelia. I'm here with a man named Skipper who's been here 68 years. Skipper, you've seen a lot of weather here over your time, huh? Yeah, more than I want to. So how does this flood compare to other things you've seen in the area? It's about two in- water's about two inches higher than it was in the storm of the century. We had some 80, probably 85 mile an hour winds and gusts, but probably sustained winds around 70 this morning. That was about it. Um, what did- down trees and stuff. Skipper, what did you think about how quick the water came in today? It was about the same as the storm of the century. I was in the, that night of the storm of the century getting people out of houses, but uh, about the same. Well, tell us about the storm of the century. I mean, that was an unusual storm in that it came in March. It was a winter <laughs> storm, and, and you said there were even some snowflakes on the backside of it. By 9.30 the next morning, we was getting snowflakes. That was how cold it got. How high did the water get up in the storm of the century? I mean, like how many buildings were flooded? Just about it. Same thing. It's going to be flooded this time. Maybe a few more flooded this time than what it was last time. But I imagine anything from here towards the mouth of the river is flooded. And you said this time it might be a couple inches higher than the storm of the century. About two inches higher, look like for me. Yeah. From my gauges, <laughs> from where I'm sitting. What's your favorite thing about living here? I don't live here no more. I moved out of here. I used to love it because I didn't nobody know where we was at. <laughs> now, that, now that it's becoming more popular, people coming in, huh? Yeah, and we got discovered about 20 years ago. Yeah. So you're just, were you just back here to help people out or just to see the I storm? Was there, Mama's riding it out. But uh, where her house is sitting, right across the road there, you see Maddie's, and we was putting the roof on it. I killed a seven-point buck there where that damn store is. There was nothing out here. Oh, wait, so it's really grown over the past oh, Lord, 20 years. Yes. Sounds it's, like you liked it better before it was this big. It's, over tripled what it was back 20 years ago. So what kind of people are living here? Is it retirees? Is it people with second homes? I mean, who's here? 90% of it's people with second homes and retirees. There's no, only industry we got is in Perry. They took away our commercial fishing and that wiped this, it wiped out the, lo- the local work. So like I said, the only thing you got is that paper mill there in Perry and that's what supports three counties. So that's a lot of the jobs. Besides that, it's, it seems like tourism, fishing, vacation, and, uh, and retirees. That's it. You, got, you hit it on the head. Yeah. So, um, well, I hope, I hope your mama did okay. It looks like there's uh, water near the house, but uh, did they get water inside? I think so. I ain't yet went in there and seen. I ain't a little bit too deep to wade in there yet. Yeah, and you said storm of the century. They, did they stay dry? Yeah. We never did get no water. We got it up, like I said, about two inches from what it was, or up to about where it's at right now. Skipper, thanks for taking time to come on the show. I, I, I hope uh, for a quick recovery here, and hopefully uh, your family's okay. Six weeks recovery is what it'll take, what it took last time. Yeah, uh, it takes a little while, and I think power will be out for a bit. Looks like some tree falls. It's going to be out till probably tomorrow before everybody gets power. Yeah. Skipper, t- thanks so much for taking time to talk. Skipper mentioned that Idalia's flooding was the highest he had seen in 68 years, topping the storm of the century by around two inches. If you're a weather buff, you probably remember the storm of the century as a major East Coast blizzard in March of 1993. 
Many people don't know that along the west coast of Florida, particularly north of Tampa Bay, this winter storm produced the highest coastal flood on record. Memories of this storm stayed strong in the minds of locals. Skipper also mentioned the rapid population growth in the region. Although Steenhatchee is a small town, most of coastal Florida continues to grow, which is one reason why hurricanes have increasing impacts in the state. Later on Wednesday evening, as the skies began to clear, Alicia and I made our way back to Roy's restaurant, where we initially observed the storm surge flooding, where the building we were using for marking the high water uh, was completely gone, just washed away. The truck parked in front of the building had been washed across the parking lot with seagrass deposited on the windshield. Nearby, a woman named Vicky and a girl named Dallas recounted how quickly the water came in and flooded their home. We're here in Steenhatchee, Florida, just the, the day of the landfall of Hurricane Adelia. Thank you so much for taking time. What are your names? Vicky, Dallas. So um, you all evacuated, but you were able to follow the flooding remotely. How did you do that? We had a private webcam at our house that we could watch in real time that was um, cellular tower powered and battery powered. And you said you could see how quickly the water came in. Watched it in real life. Took 15 minutes or less. It was fine at 7, and at 7.15, we were flooded. I mean, so so what were you thinking when you're, you're evacuated, you're watching your home? It looks like you're going to do okay. Actually, through landfall, you pretty much did all right, and then it just all came rushing in. Yeah, we were very caught off guard because we thought we were fine. We watched it all night long. We thought we were fine, and in those 15 minutes, you blinked, and it was in the house. We were like, okay, it's not going to be too bad because it left just as fast as it came in. It might have been in a total of an hour in our home we were just talking about how you 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 build for these storms and you build up all for what happens in one or two hours it's just so short how some of these floods are it is it is and it's so you know i was going to stay and then they said category four and we left but then we had a hard time getting back in so we really want to it's really tough to leave when you have such a hard time getting back so yeah exactly and vicky you said you were here for the storm of the century back in 93 how is this different than that well, I was 12 then, and I remember losing my house, and we had a lot of devastation like this, but I, will, I don't know the particulars of that, but I remember it went all the way to Maddie's Market. Wow, so I, a lot of people have been talking about that flood here. Dallas, was this your first time really seeing a big flood like this? Uh, this is the first time that I've seen like a really big flood, yeah. I've well, been through many hurricanes, but this is the worst one. How, how is this different than the other hurricanes you've seen? Our house has never actually got flooded here, but I mean, it got a foot and a half in our house. Yeah, um, I mean, so you, you all were able to get back in, though, pretty quick. Was it, was it hard getting back into town? It was. Um, we had some people tell us that we couldn't get back in. It didn't matter if we had passes or not, but we eventually got back in, so that's all that matters. It seems like the community works together here pretty well. I, I'd imagine people are going to come together, and I'm hoping you all have a quick recovery. Well, thank you. We, we didn't even have to ask for anybody to come. They just all showed up. I mean, we've tore up two floorings, and we've only been here two hours. So. Well, for context, I mean, the storm just happened today, and you're saying, like, we see people clearing the roads. Y'all are saying that you've already already been kind of on the on the recovery and, and just doing what you can. That's, yep. We come together, and people come together as a community, and we try to help each other. Well, Vicki and Dallas, hoping for a quick recovery here. Um, Y'all have a great attitude. I'm just hoping that, I'm hoping for a quick process to get back on your feet. Thank you so much. Thank you. As we made our way back to the inn, a staff worker named Naomi epitomized the essence of keeping positive attitude in natural disasters. I could not help but get out my recorder to capture her perspective, as I've learned that a positive attitude goes a long way when living in a disaster zone. We're here in Steenhatchee the day after Hurricane Adalia made landfall. We're here with Naomi, the, the manager at the inn. Naomi, uh, it sounds like you've made it through the storm and now it's time for recovery, huh? 
Yeah, absolutely. We're just doing the best we can, taking it day by day. I was really amazed by by your attitude and perspective here. I mean, a lot of people are griping about the heat and maybe their generator isn't working or all, all the inconveniences. You seem to have a very positive attitude. I mean, how does that help you get through something like this? You have to just take it one day at a time and being grumpy and uh, miserable isn't going to make anything, anything better. So having an attitude of gratitude is the way to go. Mindset is everything. And I'm just blessed to still be here. I mean, what was it like riding out the storm? I mean, where were you and what did you see? Uh, I was in Old Town, which is about 30 miles south of here. Uh, we did experience probably sustained winds of about 50 and some gust of hurricane strength. I did have uh, big trees down in my yard. Uh, we ended up leaving my house, which is a manufactured home, and going to my father's home uh, mid-storm uh, because it just got too scary. Um, at my dad's house, I saw major uh, wind gusts. Lots of down trees, lots of down power lines. Um, but like I said, we're all still here. No major structural damage. So we're just blessed. Yeah, you mentioned several times we're here, we're not injured, we're healthy, right? Uh, these, these material things can be replaced, right? Right, absolutely. Uh, material things can be replaced. Lives cannot. I have a friend who actually stays, her house is down by the by the Gulf, and she was going to stay in the storm. And th that's exactly what I told her was, you need to get out. You don't need to protect your material things. Those things can be replaced. You cannot protect yourself. So how did she take that advice? She didn't want to listen to me. Uh, it wasn't until one of the local fishing captains called her and told her that she needed to leave the house, that she heeded warning and left. I think a lot of people were surprised how quickly that storm surge, that saltwater push came in. I mean, it was almost instantaneously and the river was raging in the opposite direction. Yeah, it's crazy to see the uh, river flow backwards and it's just a true testament to the power of Mother Nature and she definitely needs to be respected. What did you think when you saw the footage of the marina breaking out and, and all the damage here in Steenhatchee? It's heartbreaking. Uh, you know, I can't help but feel a slight bit of uh, grief, you know, because of all the business owners and their loss and the homeowners and their loss. But our community is very resilient. We always band together. We take care of one another. We are Steenhatchee strong, and I know we're going to come back better than ever. Well, we were talking about some of these smaller communities like Steenhatchee. There's already relationships. There's already community. There's already trust before a storm even hits. Absolutely. How does that help you recover afterwards? Um, because we trust one another and we know that we have each other's back. Um, we might not be family by blood, but we're family by heart. <laughs> Naomi, tell us about the 100 monkey effect. I've never heard this before, but it explains a lot of your perspective. So basically the 100th monkey effect is, you know, a monkey see, monkey do. So the monkey sees one monkey doing one thing. Eventually more monkeys start to do it. By the time the 100th monkey does it, it becomes their norm. So in society, when people are always grumpy and mean, we need more people going out and being positive and uplifting because eventually that hundredth monkey is going to catch on and then that's going to be the norm. Well, and that explains your perspective here. Like you said, if you have a positive attitude, that's going to affect the person next to you and all of a sudden it's, infect it's infectious, your right? Your brain is a computer. You can program it to be a grumpy Gus or you can program it to see things on the brighter side of life. And I have, since 2016, been working on reprogramming my brain to see the, the good in life. But look at my shirt. There you go. Your shirt says, leave it better than you found it. There you go. That's right. That's right. And that's what I want to do with the world is help people be better than they were 
you know, before. And Naomi, what I've seen in disaster zones, it doesn't matter if someone's rich or poor, if they're old or young, it's really this perspective of right. being positive, coming together, finding the good in it and helping each other. That really you helps know, them recover. Just people still commit suicide. Money doesn't buy you happiness. Mindset is what keeps you happy. Thanks, Naomi, for sharing these perspectives. Absolutely. In every hurricane zone, one person stands out to me with a story or a personality I know I'm never going to forget. In Hurricane Adelia, that person was a man named Alan. Alicia and I became aware of Alan the night before Adelia's landfall. We walked down the road next to the river and noticed that someone was living in an RV right next to the river. We could see a TV on inside. We both felt really worried for the person inside the RV. Were they aware of the forecast of 12 to 16 feet of storm surge? Would they leave if we knocked on their door and warned them as night began to fall? Long story short, my numerous flood warnings went unheeded by most of the people I talked to in Steenhatchee. Most locals relied on their personal experiences with past floods to inform their decision to stay or go. Two very friendly elderly women told us they had no concern of flooding because their house had not flooded since they arrived in 1980. At the time, the National Hurricane Center P-Surge product mapped out a 30% chance that four feet of fast-flowing water would inundate their property. With locals mostly rejecting our concerns of an unprecedented storm surge, I opted not to knock on the door of the RV. To my relief, the RV was still there the evening after landfall. We found that the occupant of the RV was named Alan. He stayed through the storm, closely monitoring the water levels. His wife went across the street to slightly higher ground, and he was keeping that open as an option for himself. I was happy to hear that he took the storm seriously and was closely monitoring the flood levels. Thankfully, the peak water level did not quite reach his RV. Alan is an interesting character. I wish I could bottle up his energy. He's inquisitive, curious, and very capable with his hands. He adores his tool shop. He's also very resilient, and he and his wife have overcome a lot of um, personal setbacks in recent years, like their home burning down and several family tragedies. I got the sense from talking to him that even if Adelia had washed away everything, he would pick himself up and rebuild it, yet again, with his own hands. Here are some audio clips of the conversation we had with Alan and his wife. The first clip is from a conversation with his wife on the back deck. The last two clips were recorded in Alan's tool shop, where he really comes alive. You'll quickly understand why I consider him an unforgettable man and one of the enduring memories of Hurricane Adalia for me. I'm so grateful that it wasn't any higher here than it was. We were coming through yesterday Mm -hmm. and we'd seen that the lights were on in the RV. We were honestly really concerned Mm -hmm. because we knew you were staying on the river in the RV. We were really hoping that you were going to be safe. Me and the cat went to the judge's house. (laughs) There's some hills in the town you can get up a bit. The judge's house, the White House over there, was 1920s, okay. And there's this uh, bathtub that's cast iron. <laughs> All the cast iron plumbing. So Cat and I went over there at 6 or 6.15 this morning. He decided to stay. And that's okay. You know. Yeah. Well, you had another option, another place to go. Yeah. Sounds had, like Alan was watching it. and you know. four options. Four people offered us places. To oh, yeah. So you had some options. Yeah, Good yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm glad it didn't get into your living area, you know. Yeah, not the hell. Alicia's parents had a terrible flood in their house several feet, and it's just, it's so hard to Hmm. come back. It's a lot of work. It's a lot. I mean, look at this. I mean, and that mud is that thick, and you got to, okay, it's going to be stinking soon. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to be too good. It's It's really a nice little machine shop. And and it's, it, it has 
everything. Everything, every... So did you have to reestablish all of this after the fire? Everything. I had all of this to start with. The nicety part, though, you lathe or whatever you're doing here. Mine I had for 20 years, okay? Well, the whole place burnt down and everything else. Well, gosh, I had to go buy a brand new one. Okay, gosh, the new ones, the new ones do three times with that old sucker that I had. And that one I had for 30 years. Uh, this is, this is, it's so much that I don't even know. Ah. This runs on that and tells you what it to do and stuff. Man, I hadn't even looked at the book yet. Super high tech. To see, yeah. I have no idea. And I've been using this thing, one of these things here for 15 years, you know. So did you come across any new technology that you're like, you know what, this actually is better than my old stuff? Or did you very much? Oh, God, very much so. You can't believe the difference. It used to be, if you wanted this to turn, you had to take the, bar, the belts to put it over on this side or that side to get it to go in the right direction. Yeah, well, these new ones here like this, you know, uh-uh, you... Going. Little just, fine yet, too. Yeah, just a little. Da, da. Everything. Just so far. Uh, uh, I have to learn all this all over again, you know, to, to get these things. You seem like a really resilient person. You're like, I'm going to overcome. I mean, with what you've gone through, even in the last year or two, and that you're still here talking to us and you've rebuilt your machine shop, you're, you're learning the new technology. I mean, that's amazing. A lot of people would have just given up. Oh no! Hey, <laughs> if I'm a hundred years old, I'll be right here playing with these things. I love it. I eat up on it, you know. So there's a lot of things I have to, I have to have for them to help me, and it it both it goes both ways. Could you tell us about this helicopter that you built and that yes. you taught yourself to fly? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, I mean, how did you do that? Jump it, just get on it. Saw a picture of it. By God, I gotta have one of the. Well, I used to fly uh, airplanes and stuff like you fly around, you know, and stuff like that. Um, and that helicopter just, oh, I gotta have one of these things. I found one right here, 30 miles away or whatever it is. They build these things, okay? It's just one seed or one seeder unit uh, because just that one, and I had to buy it in a box, put it together yourself and put all the on, 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 on. That ran for three, what, $30,000 just for the unit. Then I had to learn how to fly it without killing myself. You know, this is... <laughs> so how did you learn how to fly the helicopter you built? Uh, common sense. <laughs> it took a lot, okay? It, 
After wrapping up our work in Steenhatchee, we drove several hours to Tarpon Springs, a mid-sized community in the northwestern part of Tampa St. Pete Metro. Leadership with our parent company, CNC Catastrophe and National Claims, wanted us to survey damage in that area. At first glance, Tarpon Springs was completely spared storm impacts. We did not even see a branch on the ground. As we drove through downtown by the marina three times, we saw no evidence of flooding. What we did find is a fascinating community that calls itself the sponge capital of the world. A visitor to Tarpon Springs immediately picks up a strong Greek heritage that follows the work of Greek sponge divers who came to the region around 1905. Greek restaurants and shops line the streets, while Greek flags extend from the streetlights. While walking downtown, I noticed a woman mopping up the floor of her business on the other side of an open door. I walked in and asked if they had flooded. She looked at me with astonishment and inquired, what planet do you live on? Of course we flooded and we're trying to clean up. This blindsided me as I did not see the typical layer of muck on the floors and walls I've seen in other storm surge events. Apparently, the floodwaters came and left without leaving much sediment behind. Yet the flood still damaged merchandise and created quite a mess. Tarpon Springs has a very low elevation, with the main downtown road next to the marina only having an elevation of around three feet above datum. The five-foot flood from Hurricane Adelia, which came in suddenly with little wind, flooded numerous businesses downtown. A Greek worker in that district named George shared his perspective about the flood. Hey, we're, just, uh, we're here in Tarpon Springs talking to George. George, the flood came in pretty quick here, huh? Yes, very, very, very quickly. It's by now and a half, it's almost five, five feet uh, on the street. Yeah. So how long have you been here in Tarpon Springs? I've been here 19 years. Well, how did this flood compare to anything you've seen before? I never seen something like this, never in my life. For 19 years I'm here, I never seen nothing compared like this. Yeah. Um, I mean, what did you think when you saw the flooding coming in here? I said, it's the time for us, it's going to hit us so hard. I was very lucky, the wind is not calm, so only the water, they flood the place, uh, everything. It, it, it was very lucky, very lucky, my friend. George, do you think a lot of people expected it will be that bad or not so much? No, 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 no. Everybody laughing, say it's tropical storm, okay, hurricane one, is nothing going to happen to us. And everybody, you know, they, they say, okay, there's nothing going to be something like this. What happened two days ago, yesterday? And, um, George, it seems like there's a lot of Greek heritage here in culture and tourism as well, right? Yes, 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 yes. It's a Greek, little small Greek town. And uh, I believe all the Greeks that come here, you know what I mean, we live here to the United States. They come here and enjoy the food and the hospitality and all that. Plus, uh, around us, you know, around states, coming here for the weekend. So I'm very lucky, very blessed. From Tarpon Springs, we drove to Perry, Florida, the epicenter of Idalia's wind damage. I found substantial damage to homes and buildings in a community where people were working together to recover. Soon after arriving in town, we passed a lumber and hardware store that was serving its customers despite losing much of the building due to wind damage. Davis Helm, sales manager of Cashway Building Products, a do-it-best store, shared his perspective with us. We're here in uh, Perry with Davis with, uh, with Cashway Building Products. I mean, what are you all doing for the community here? We're trying to stay open and service our community and, and help everybody out the way that the way that we need to be. Um, everything we have here is wrecked, but we're going to stay open through it all. I mean, we can see you have damage here, but yet you're open and serving the community. Yeah, our building here is destroyed, but we've got one part that we can stay dry and have a fan running, and, and we're running a computer and card readers, and uh, we're taking cash and, and be able to at least help everybody out and get everybody going. 
And lastly, you said pretty extensive wind damage from trees down and also just, just roofs peeled and things like that, right? I have a, out of five buildings, I only have two left standing, and only one of those is half left standing. So, Davis, thanks for ta- taking time to come on the podcast, hoping for a quick recovery here. We're here. We're going to be open, and we're going to be service the community the best we can. And uh, if anybody wants to stop by and come see us, we're at 301 West Hampton Springs Avenue in Perry, Florida, and the phone number is 850-843-5244. Thank you. Thanks, Davis. Appreciate it. Thank you. On the GeoTruck podcast, we often talk about the importance of building better to mitigate the impacts of extreme weather. There's no better testament to this than seeing a home that was built to a superior standard weather a major hurricane strike. That's exactly what we found in a neighborhood of Perry, Florida, when a woman named Belinda talked about riding out Hurricane Adalia in her home, which was built to withstand a Category 5 hurricane. We're here in Perry, Florida. Belinda, you just rode out Hurricane Adalia. What was that like? Well, our house is built for a Cat 5, so we didn't hear a lot except for the rumble as it was going around. And um, you could hear thumps, and you knew it was trees falling. But our neighborhood is very blessed. All the trees, they may have done light damage to fence and stuff like that, but not, not on homes. And um, we've not heard of anyone that had died from it, from any of it um, so far. Belinda, you said your house is built for a Cat 5. How is it built stronger than maybe other houses? Like, how did you prepare for this in your building? Well, we didn't build it. Um, it was a bush pilot from Alaska that moved down, and he didn't like hurricanes. So he thought he was going with the safest that he could. And um, it's when we bought it, our inspector told us that house would withstand a Cat 5. So um, we have one closet that is probably built strongest, no windows, and a door that can't be pushed open. And... Um, so we, we rode it out there, and when, when we didn't hear a rumbling from the hurricane passing, we'd come out and look out windows, and then we could hear it again, and we'd go b- get back in the closet. How long were conditions, like, really the most severe, like the wind is just really flying? How long was that happening? Um, probably uh, 10 to 15 minutes. You'd have gusts, and then we'd come out, and then when we hear it start getting worse again, we'd just go right back to the closet. Driving around your neighborhood, it looks like a lot of trees are down, but fortunately, it looks like a lot of them fortunately missed a lot of the houses, right? They did miss the houses, and, and the, uh, God's blessed us. He protected us, and um, so he had everything fall in a good way where it didn't do very much damage. What do you think the recovery looks like around here? It's going to take a long time. Perry took a, a hard hit. A lot of businesses, um, a lot of homes, a lot of um, debris down. Um, it's going to take a while, but, you know, we're still blessed. We got our life and no damage to the house. Belinda, last question. Do you think the impacts of Adelia are what people expected, or do you think it's worse than a lot of people were expecting it would be? I believe it's worse than most people thought it would be. Um, I know during the worst part, my husband said, had I known it was going to be this bad, we would have left. But, um, and I've heard a lot of people decide at the last minute to go ahead and leave because it, it was going to be a Cat 4 coming in. And so um, we're lucky that it had, um, went down to a Cat 3. I don't know what the coast looks like. Um, I know there's still water there at Keaton Beach, I think, of yesterday. So... Um, but we've got a lot of cleanup to do, but it's nothing that's going to hurt us. We're just going to take it one day at a time. 
Linda, thanks for taking time to come on the podcast. I'm hoping for a quick recovery here. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Our final stop on this podcast was Cross Point Baptist Fellowship in Perry, Florida, which served as a staging area for several organizations providing disaster relief. First, we spoke with Emily Fulmer, VP of Operations with Global Empowerment Mission, who are busy distributing supplies to storm victims. We're here in Perry, Florida. Um, Emily, y'all are serving the community. Could you tell us a little bit about who you're with and what you're doing out here? Yeah, I'm with uh, VP of Operations with Global Empowerment Mission. We are doing a drive today at uh, Cross Point Baptist Church, and we've had hundreds of cars yesterday. It looks like we'll probably have hundreds of cars again today, and we're distributing hygiene and food and MREs and water. Oh, that's awesome. I could just see the line of cars here. I mean, people really need what you're providing for them, right? Yeah, definitely. After a storm, when the power is out, even if your home wasn't affected, no one's really prepared for more than 24 hours or so without power. So um, we, especially after hurricanes, set up these types of drives to make sure that folks, you know, who have or haven't had their home affected are taken care of. Emily, how are you able to get this many resources into a disaster zone so quickly? Uh, We are Florida-based, so that helps. Um, But we also track hurricane activity very closely, um, and we pre-position products. So when we think something's going to hit somewhere, you know, anywhere in the U.S. or Latin America, typically, um, we pre-position trucks and teams. We usually send in an advanced team that goes in right after the storm, usually minutes right on its tail, and looks at what might be a good site or a good community partner, to be in contact with. We talk to community leaders who tell us, you know, what's happening on the ground immediately. And then we have trucks and teams skate to those locations after that. Um, yeah. Emily, what kind of events and disasters do you respond to? Um, mostly natural disasters. Um, but we are heavily involved in the Ukraine war. We're the second largest humanitarian operator out there right now. So we're involved in everything from natural disasters to wars to general communities in crisis after something happens. Emily, how can people find you guys and support the work you're doing? Um, Best way is to follow us on Instagram at Global Empowerment Mission, um, where you can see updates from our current missions, which right now would be Turkey and Ukraine and Hurricane Adalia and lots of others. Thanks for taking a few minutes to come on the podcast, and thanks for all your hard work out here serving people affected by Hurricane Adalia for having me. Finally, we spoke with a woman named Melissa who was serving hot meals to storm victims through a nonprofit called Mana Express. This organization focuses on serving real hot meals that are cooked on site to storm victims in smaller communities. We're in Perry with Melissa. Melissa, you're with Mana Express and you're sharing about the storm hit Wednesday and you were out here Thursday morning uh, serving breakfast. Our first morning we had, um, we served 490 then um, supper, we served 1,472. This morning, we served 610. And we're getting ready now to do pulled pork sandwiches and baked beans. Wow, so you're, how long are you going to be out here? We're, we come thinking we're going to be here five days, you know. So So do you all come from different places? I mean, where do you all come from, and, and where do the supplies come that you're, you're blessing people with? Well, our church is at home from Jackson County and just other people that donate and um we are from my cousin actually started this mana express him and his wife and um they're from bluntstown but we're from mariana florida i know it's a huge blessing a lot of folks here don't have power and they're not going to have power for a while right that's what they're saying 21 days what kind of food are you serving people here 
for breakfast we serve um, grits and eggs and sausage. Last night we served um, chicken and rice. This morning we served same thing, grits, eggs, and, ba- and bacon and sausage this morning. And tonight we're doing pulled pork sandwiches and um, baked beans. Tomorrow, same breakfast, and we'll have hamburgers and french fries for... Is it mostly drive through People come and, and they get a, a meal to take with them? Yes, sir. It's a- I know people are sure appreciative for y'all being out oh, here and serving very them. Very appreciative, very appreciative. It blesses us, blessing them also, you know. Uh, Melissa, any last words you'd want to share with our audience and, and just on your work here and, and why you enjoy doing this and serving people? We're just so glad that we can be here. We're glad God gave us this to be able to be a servant to people because we know what it's like from having Hurricane Michael. Melissa, could, so, so you survived Category 5 Hurricane Michael. What was the damage like where you live from Michael back in 2018? No, was it? You, it was you survived. Terrible. I mean, uh, but how did, like, how did you make it through that? I mean, that was, it was terrible oh, in that, right? With God. I mean, it was awful. We had so many houses and people lost their lives. I mean, you know, Hurricane Michael was awful. Yeah. And, and from that, you started doing a lot of this relief we work did. to go to other communities and help them? People come in and served us was a blessing and that just blessed us to be able to we wanted that to be able a blessing to others and a lot of people don't realize that michael winds went way past i-10 even into georgia i mean they went far inland and there were millions of trees down i mean it was a it was a terrible terrible storm very devastating very devastating it sounds like you took the relief that people came and brought to you and you said wait we can do that in a future storm and we can go out and and serve others and that's why y'all are here that's what we've been doing we've been to louisiana twice we went to um fort myers last year when it come through yeah you took uh, the blessing that was given to you and you're passing that on to others that's what we're trying let me tell you a wonderful story well, let me yeah. get, we didn't have a truck to pull this trailer he got that somebody donated the money to get that truck. wait so you're saying someone donated the money for the truck yes, so you could pull sir. your trailer yes sir Melissa, tell us a little bit your sign there says mana express serving small communities in their time of need well uh, explain the focus on small communities well, like I said, when we went through Hurricane Michael, we are a small community. And so that's where we wanted to make ourselves known at is in small communities. Well, and a lot of times the small communities get overlooked. They do get overlooked, and that's what we wanted to do. How can people find you on the web if people want to find out the work you're doing and how they can contribute? Mana Express, serving small communities in times of need. That looks, is that a that's a Facebook group? A seven hundred one member, so you can you can find that people can, and it sounds like people have donated. People even donated that truck, so you can pull your food trailer. We could not do this without donations. I mean, people are awesome. We've had awesome. Well, it's so cool to come out here, do a disaster zone, and see you guys on the ground. And you were here the morning after the hurricane, serving people breakfast, and you're, it sounds like you're going to be here for a while, serving a lot of food. And people didn't know that we were coming that fast. And, I mean, my cousin, he's gotten money donated. We didn't have to buy the food. He had it donated. Yeah, no, this is very inspirational what y'all are doing. Melissa, thanks so much for taking time to come on the podcast and hoping for a quick recovery here. Thank you very much. Well, that's a wrap on Hurricane Adelia, everybody. I will remember Adelia as an intense hurricane that was geographically small and moving fast through Florida's Big Bend region. I was thankful that Adelia did not inflict worse damage. A larger, slow-moving hurricane would have generated much higher storm surge levels on the coast and inundated buildings that stayed dry this time. I felt encouraged to see communities coming together so well. Places like Steenhatchee and Perry have this community spirit and we're rapidly working together as a community to recover and be resilient. But I also feel concerned about the long-term flood risk in these low-lying areas. 
As George in Tarpon Springs said, people were surprised at Adelia's flooding, and this was from a small, fast-moving hurricane that hit the coast more than 100 miles away. Portions of West Florida, including Metro Tampa St. Pete, have been really lucky for a long time, and unfortunately, I think someday a lot of people are going to be surprised by a large storm surge event in the region. Well, this wraps up this episode of the GeoTrek podcast from the land of scallops, fishing, usually calm water, and alligators. Thanks for coming along on the ride, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the GeoTrek podcast.